What up? My name's Jack Beard, and you're listening to a J Beard podcast. Welcome to Training Camp. It's the show where three roommates just said, hey, we talk about sports editing much. Let's just throw it on a podcast, see if buddy listens. Hey, two weeks in a row, Griff. Yeah, I like it. That's pretty good. We're on a roll here. Um, so, uh, wow. What a past 20 minutes it's been. I know, seriously. Griffin, you want to explain what went on? Yeah, we're all out of whack here. So we sit down to record our podcast, and we get a text from two of our friends saying they just got in a car wreck. They're okay, but they need us to come down there and help them out. So course we record the full podcast say can you wait a second and then go down i'm kidding we yeah, no we definitely didn't we that. went down there we picked him up everybody was okay but we literally just sat back down and started recording so if we're not on our game that's why but at least everybody's all right you didn't tell them the best part what's the best part, the best part? they were listening to training camp oh, yeah. when they <laughs> when they got in a car wreck yeah they were like uh yeah, we, we got in this car wreck, and it was just kind of awkward after we got in the in the car accident because we just keep on hearing y'all's voices, even though my car <laughs> won't drive. <laughs> when we picked them up, and we're like, well, you can hear our real voices now. Maybe the cops and fire department guys will start listening now. Oh, my God, dude. That ticked me off. Oh, yeah, tell that. So we were like, uh, we're coming down, and I asked Will like three times. I go, are you sure they said it's okay if we come down in the middle lane to pick them up? And Will's like, yeah. And so we, we go down and it's like a five, it's like a five lane road. It's like two, two and a turn lane. Yeah. And they're blocking one lane, the turn lane. And then I think the other two lanes are open on the right side. And so I pull up right behind the, the ambulance and like exactly where they told us to, to pull up. And these, the, the two firefighters look at me with their hands up in the air. They look at me and they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm coming to pick up my friends that just got in a car wreck, please. <laughs> yeah, they acted like we were some random people just pulling up to see what was going on. Like, we had permission to be right like, there. And then, they're like, what are you guys doing? And then Skylar gets in the car and she goes, uh, oh, yeah, we told the cops, but we forgot to tell the firefighters. And I'm like, ah, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, other than that, boys, uh, what's been going on the past week? Tell me about your uh, tell me about your lives a little bit. Uh, I got a little sick last week. Um Otherwise, been drowning in homework, but uh, we hit the trifecta this week. Uh, Preds, Vols, and Titans win. Dude, rare week. Rare like, week. Probably under 10 times in our lifetime. And it's I not like say. the Vols won, too. Vols won an SEC game by 20 points. Yeah, like it was. It doesn't happen often, so I'm about as happy as I could be sports wise and life wise, so that's great. Me and too. The, the Preds won twice, too. Yeah. Once, they won both times. Shoot, my bad. I mean, we'll get to that. Um, but two dubs over two big teams. Two, well, I guess one big team. Yeah. One we'll used to though. be a good team. Yeah, we'll take it. Griffin, what happened this weekend? Uh, not much. Walked to class today with no rain jacket and no umbrella in the pouring down rain because I didn't have either. So I could be in a bad mood, but hey, we're recording, so I'm in a good mood now. But yeah, not a very eventful week for me. Yeah, and uh, the reason why this is coming out a couple couple days late, it's not because we're slacking. It's because the NFL trade deadline was yesterday. We thought there was going to be some moves going on, especially with uh, the whole Tannehill-Marcus, Tannehill-Mariota uh, debacle, but uh, in fact, there was none. So how do you guys feel about the uh, trade deadline, especially with the Titans? Yeah, there was only one move at the tr- on, I think, what was it, yesterday, Wednesday? Uh, or Tuesday, sorry, today's Wednesday. Um so it was yesterday at 4 p.m. Eastern was the deadline, and there was only one deal on the day of the deadline, and it was the... Akib Tlaib yeah, to uh, Miami. Miami. Yeah, <laughs> for, I think, a second or third round. Kansas. Maybe. 
No, it was like a fifth rounder. They're okay. trying to get him off the books, I think. Okay. There was a tweet uh, about Tlaib, and it was like uh, Tlaib after he realized he just got traded from the Rams to the to the Dolphins, and it was just some guy eating popcorn, and he was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine going from the Los Angeles Rams all the way to the damn Miami Dolphins? Yeah, worst team in the NFL. That would be horrid. It's kind of weird, though, trade deadline-wise, because I'm used to... I honestly didn't even know it was the NFL trade deadline yesterday, but um, it's just weird because I'm so used to the NHL trade deadline where there's moves yeah. going on all like all day, or even the MLB trade deadline, same thing. Yeah, it's like moves are going up until like the last minute of the deadline, but NFL I feel like doesn't work the same way. Hell, I mean the NBA trade deadline is the craziest day of the year. It's just like I can't I can't get away from my phone. The NBA trade deadline, like the 2K updates after. The NBA trade deadline, like so many players trade teams and like move yeah. around. The mobility, player mobility in the NBA is easily the highest in the NBA. I guess I could see that. Yeah, it's almost like in the NBA, if you're not on a team that you enjoy, it's your own fault because all you have to do is say, "Hey, can I get traded?" Or no, I'm just gonna leave. Sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 Everyone moves everywhere. Why do you think that is? Like, do you think that's something like from like a team chemistry standpoint? Like, uh, there's not much or not as much in the NBA compared to, like, say, the NFL. I think it's because there's it's a player, they call it a player driven league. Like, there's five people on the court. Like, if you're a star player, you are on the court, you're being seen every night, you're selling tickets. But, like, if you're a star player in the NFL and a random fan comes to the game, like, they could, they couldn't even point you out. But, like, if you're a star NBA player, it's like you're there, like, they see you, you're on the, you're on the court 20. I guess that makes sense for the MLB, too, considering that. Yeah, there's like nine players on the field the entire time. Yeah, so. yeah. It's just it's and the NBA is just like the most woke league, I guess, like how I would describe it. Not like <laughs> sure. that. Not no, that. no, no, no. I get like, it, I get it, I get it. I'm like, it's just like if the players aren't happy, like you're not gonna produce results. So like you might as well either get a player in a place they want to be happy to produce results or get something for that player. So I would say, though, I would think NBA out of the four leagues is probably the league with the least amount of team chemistry. Like, I feel like hockey, you're like, oh, these are the boys. Like, yeah. Like, the Preds guys, super tight. Like, I feel like all hockey guys are super close. And You said the NBA isn't? Yeah, I feel yeah. like, I mean... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, whatever. I feel like there's multiple examples where, like, if it's, like, LeBron and the guy that rides the bench the entire season, like, they well, probably it, talk maybe two or three times a week week or something i feel like there's less dynamics if that makes sense you know like you could lob it up to any seven footer and he'll put it in the put it in the basket yeah. too. but like if you if you're thinking about like a hockey player or like uh even like a baseball player like i feel like people bring such different like personalities and football and, too yeah. yeah yeah i agree i agree i don't know if i agree chemistry wise i mean you're playing 82 games you're on the road together all season i mean just like it's just like the nhl but it's, imagine like the nhl but you're a smaller group of people you all speak the same language, unlike baseball and NHL, um, and you're pretty much all playing every game except for like two or three people. So I wonder like, if that weakens the team chemistry in some ways. What you know? Which and what? And like for the NBA, like player-driven league, people are all wanting to be a star. Everybody's pretty much from the same background. You probably know each other from college too. Well, you play. They've played each other with AAU, high AAU, school. Like they, they've known college each other. Pro, yeah. I don't know. I would say that I wouldn't say they're the lowest. I could. I wouldn't. I don't really know how I would rank them. But I think it's just a different dynamic. Yeah. I, I feel like the NBA is that league where if the second best player, or even the first best player, like only has ten or fifteen points, like doesn't have that great of a night, but the team still wins, like that player is still pissed off. So like. 
going yeah. on. If the boys go out later that night, like the guy's still pissed off he played bad, even though the team oh, yeah, yeah. were in like hockey. If the best player on the Preds like doesn't have a point in the game and the team wins, like they're all boys still and everybody's happy just because the team won. I think that might be like more individuality, like performance, like. But I don't know if that's really team chemistry. Like, I don't think that takes away from their friendship, but like, or like friendship, or like how how well they work together. But like, if a player doesn't have a, a good night, I don't think that takes away from team. Like, and he's mad. I don't think that takes away from team chemistry, but just takes away from like how it's like a self-driven league. Yeah, they know. care more about their individual performance, and not more than the team. And their just, stats for contract time, like they won't take those last shots just to keep their shot percentage and stuff. But yeah. Oh, I, I think that's that. so stupid, dude. So stupid. Anyway. <laughs> well, hey, uh, South Carolina coming to Knoxville, trying to make it four straight years, at least in the time that we've been there, where uh, they've won. However, Vols take the take the win, 41-21. to 21. We're now 3-5 uh, and five and uh, going against UAB this coming week, 6-1 and one on Saturday. Um, Jarrett. Jarrett shows up. Um, what do we, how do we feel about that? <clears throat> we beat South Carolina freshman year. No, we didn't. Was that freshman year or senior no, year high school? Uh, that might have been senior year. It was here. Okay, so that must have we been. We lost. That must I, have been senior year I high school. I distinctly remember laying in my bed in, at, uh, at Reese, coming home in like the fourth quarter, and we're just getting like the shit beat out of us. It's a night game at South Carolina, and we lost. Okay, now that was senior year high school because it was in Neyland, and they were about to win, and they were like running down the field, and then like, we punched the ball out or something like that. Um, I'm talking no, about yeah. the game where we came back at South Carolina under Butch Dobbs as the quarterback. We came back from like 20 points down. I think we still lost that, that game. That might have been senior year high school. Uh, no, we won the game. Anyway. I know, I know for a fact we've been, we've <laughs> lost the past three years. Okay, uh, yeah. and Nigel Warrior was upset. That's not like, our number. Yeah, he was like, "We're we're just trying to get a win against these guys because we haven't ever since he's been here." And Nigel yeah, is as old I, as yeah. us. I saw that too. Yeah, yeah, but like you said, JG su- surprised all of us. Um, his last play was, or his last play was the quarterback sneak at Alabama, and then comes out there firing against South Carolina. Best JG performance I've ever seen. He looked like a different player. He looked like he knew what was going on. He looked like he knew our offense. Um, In my opinion, I think the jury's still out on JG. I just think he had to come. Oh, excuse me. Uh, I think he had to come back from just like an absolute horrid performance. But the way or the reason that, or the how I'm taking it is that I think that with without a star quarterback like Dobbs was. Um, with JG sucking, Maurer coming in, showing out, getting hurt, Strout coming in, I think they're finally realizing that like they're gonna have to play as a team to get it done. And I think that's coming like way too late in the season. However, I think we still got a you know a decent chance to to get a bowl game in. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say about the game. Is I what you said about the whole team aspect. Like obviously, Garantano played well, Strout played well, but pretty much everyone played well, especially after giving up. First play of the game, South Carolina scored that 70-some-odd-yard touchdown. Literally first play of the game. That I mean, that would have been a really easy opportunity for the team to say, oh, here we go again. Like, yeah. But they rallied, and the boys came back. And uh, Jawan Jennings actually technically as the starting quarterback because we ran a yeah, wildcat the yeah, first play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's so funny. But, no, Shrout, Will's got their stat lines. Both Shrout and Garantano played well. Offensive line played really well. And I was really proud of the defense. All-around team effort. Um, yeah, and uh, – Pruitt uh, and Pruitt talked about this. Uh, we decided to open up the playbook, go a little more aggressive play calling, um, a lot less safe stuff. We you saw us throw down the field probably five or six times to complete three or four of them. Um, Jawan and Marquez had over a hundred yards receiving, which is the first time I 
in a long time. I can remember two Tennessee receivers going over 100 yards. Um, JG, 229 yards. Shroud, uh, 120. Over almost 500 yards of offense for the Vols. That's... That's pretty crazy for especially against an SEC defense. Yeah, for the team we've been watching and a team that beat Georgia. I mean, yeah, their record's the same as ours now, but um, South Carolina beat Georgia, and we we pretty much handed it to them, and it was just a pretty decisive win. Um, Read off Garantano and Shroud stats. You got them right there. Yeah, yeah. Garantano, eleven for nineteen, two twenty nine, uh, two touchdowns, zero picks. Shroud, seven for eleven, one twenty two. One touchdown, no picks. Yeah, I, I mean, can't do much better than that, obviously. And the O-line was protecting him well. Like you were talking about, the more aggressive play calling. I loved throwing it down the field. We did a lot of those play actions. The one Marquez caught for like a 50, maybe 60-yard touchdown. And also the punt return. I mean, there wasn't really a negative thing about the game. And I honestly don't think the jury's as out on JG as... Uh, Beard thinks, but I honestly think he could get us to a bowl game if he, if we had to start him the rest of the year. I know that's not the case, um, but after watching that game, I uh, I know it's a I know it's a 180 from where we were after the Alabama game. But uh, I would trust him to get us at least three more wins, uh, two being SEC wins for the rest of the year. But I don't know what are, I, know, I know what Jack thinks. What do you think, Bump? People, I mean. Going back to the Alabama game, people definitely gave him a hard time. He made a bonehead move with the whole QB sneak thing. Yeah, like everybody makes a bonehead move, but that one was just so magnified because of we were actually in the game and like it got returned for 100 yards. So it was just so magnified. And obviously he's missed some throws earlier in the season, but I think if you put him in the right situation to succeed, he can make some solid throws. And I think we saw more of that against South Carolina. Um, we were putting him in more situations to succeed. And we're also using the entire team to help him out. Like, we would have Juwan at the Wildcat. We were running the ball well. Obviously, if you can't run the ball, they're going to know we're throwing, so it's going to be harder to throw. So, obviously, Garantano played well, but it goes back to the whole team aspect. Like, if we're not running the ball or if Juwan's not catching those passes or Marquez, JG's not going to play as well. So, the entire team showed out, I think. Our O-line is killing it right now. Yeah, they are playing well. Our O-line is doing incredibly well. Night, Night and day compared to... Yeah, and it, and it showed versus Alabama. Like, Alabama's D-line is one of the most just absolute beast D-lines I think I've like I've ever seen. And the fact that we could run the ball against Alabama two weeks ago, like, kudos. That, that just means that our quarterbacks are getting an adequate time to throw now, and there's just no excuses for bad quarterback play. And honestly, like, Jared's playing a little better now. But, I mean, Maurer coming back, I just think that's only going to help our team. And I'm really impressed with Shroud, too. So I don't I think it's gonna be tough for Shrout just because I don't ever think I don't think he's gonna get much playing time throughout his career here to, if I'm being completely honest, yeah, as long as Myerson stays healthy. But um, you know, it's nice to know that we got somebody who can make plays after JG's gone. I wanna see Maurer play an entire game. He's we have not got an entire game or at least with the team we've had the past two weeks. If Maurer could go four quarters without getting a concussion which <laughs> should be easier than it has seemed. That may be a bigger if than you think. But <laughs> if he could go, I just want to see this team that has showed up the past two weeks with the f- healthy Brian Maurer for four quarters against an SEC team. I would love to watch that and just watch, like, just see what we actually have. Because we've seen it, like, 
for a couple quarters every time and um feels like it gets taken away from us and we don't get to see it um i'm interested to see that speaking of a team all-around team performance we had the vols had the sec offense player of the week and Jawan jennings sec defensive player of the week and daniel batuli and the sec offensive lineman of the week and Brandon Kennedy. So that's the first time that's all happened since I believe it was 1994. Yeah, yeah I believe yeah, that. Yeah. That's and that's awesome. Like you know the talent in the SEC, and we have uh, three players of the week. That's huge. Our feels like the energy around campus and around our team is on the up, and it feels good. Uh, Speaking of Daniel Batuli, you read his stats to me the other day. I don't know if you want to pull this up or what, but he, I mean, however many tackles he had, but he had the blocked punt return like recovered it in the end zone for a touchdown. Also Marquez Callaway returning the pump for a touchdown. I mean, I know I keep stressing how much of a team effort it was, but like we're giving credit to the quarterbacks, which obviously they deserve it, but credit goes all the way around because I mean, Batuli absolutely went off and it wasn't just the offense scoring, obviously special teams put in two touchdowns. So that was pretty huge. Do you have Batuli stats there? Yeah. Yeah. He had a 15 total tackles. I think 10 of which came in the first half. 11 solo tackles included in the total, 15. A tackle for loss and then a punt return, QB hurry, and a touchdown. So, yeah, dude, I mean, light it up, guy. If you, as a defensive player, it doesn't get much better than that, especially against an SEC team. But what are you boys feeling about UAB? I think they're 6-1 and one, coming to Neyland next Saturday. I feel like this is the game where it's just like, please, Vols, don't overlook UAB. Let's get this one done and move on to Missouri next week. In my opinion, this is these are the games that really define a program. And I know it sounds like really counterintuitive because obviously you think the SEC games are, and I think they do. But I think if you're going to be a dominant football team in college football, you have to just absolutely destroy these out-of-conference opponents that are, you know, quote-unquote, not great. Like you saw, like we should have we should have handed it to Georgia State honestly should have handed it to BYU as well and then I think these are these games where if you're going to be a good football program you got to beat this team by like 20. See I I'm asking for more than that I think at least 20. Yeah, yeah I think this game needs to look similar to Chattanooga maybe they score once or twice maybe we score once or maybe a touchdown less I'm thinking like a 35-7, 35-10. This just proves to me that you can play consistent football. I was going to say, I just want to see consistency. Play. This is, this, these are the games. We just beat an SEC team in South Carolina by 20, and now we're playing UAB. I get there 6-1, and one, but it's UAB. We're the University of Tennessee. Like We should be able to win this game pretty easily. And think about it, too. You look at like Alabama, LSU, how, how fine, even Florida. Like It's not even it's, – it's, there's no chance that they're going to start anything less than 4-0. Oh, yeah. And, you know, obviously Florida is the only one that's iffy because they play us in week four almost every year. So, like, you've got to win these games. You've got to win these out-of-conference games to be a good football program. You've got to show consistency. And I think that if you're going to be – if you're going to beat an SEC team, you're going to have to show it here or else just I don't think the team is where it needs to be. Honestly, it, it sounds weird, but this is, like, my thing for out-of-conference games of this caliber. Make it unwatchable. Make me want to find a better game in the third quarter, fourth quarter. Um and I know that sounds bad because you want to watch your team, but like, make it that we're beating them so bad, and so convincingly that, that we're sitting on the couch saying, "What other game do I need?" Yeah, to watch? is there a better game on? Or and, can we leave the stadium? Already? And <laughs> this is my, I, most clutch bet of the week. I got Tennessee minus ten against UAB, dude. It's more bad. 
Smart bet. I hope so. We're playing good ball. I hope so. <laughs> We're playing good ball. I've, I haven't seen anything on UAB. Maybe that's just me being a bad podcaster, a sports podcaster, but I haven't, like, there's, I don't know where to find UAB highlights. There, there's <laughs> 6 and 1, but they also play in what, Conference USA. I don't know what conference they're in, but I mean they're not playing the opponents we're playing, obviously. But <laughs> I feel like you guys are talking about blowing them out by so much. Obviously, that would be great. But the thing that I'm interested in seeing is like we talked about the consistency. Like yeah, their conference USA will. Okay, yeah, I just don't want to see us even if we win by 20 or 30 and we're playing just like inconsistent. If it's like a seven or three point game at halftime and then we blow them out in the second half, like I just want to see a full consistent game like we saw against South Carolina or Chattanooga for that for that matter yeah. their, their best opponent they've played all year is well best Western Kentucky and Western Kentucky beat them by seven so okay yeah so I'll, t- I'll take us. us I'll take us by 10 and I'm probably gonna double that what'd you what'd you boys think about the atmosphere this past Saturday against South Carolina Ooh. at Neyland I know I saw somebody on Twitter say they thought it was uh even with Oklahoma in 2015 I don't know about that at, no. Maybe at one point, but it wasn't even sold out. I, not, yeah, the peak didn't match the peak, but like, I would say at a couple points, it felt like it was that fun. Um, Will's got a little pic of himself up there. Yeah, I'm sending to old JB and trying to airdrop it to him. <laughs> I see it. So we were sitting on the third row, all three of us with some of our friends, and we got so many texts throughout the game uh, about our friends seeing us on TV, and when. I believe Middleton it was on our defensive line got the targeting call. Uh, we obviously can't see it because we're at the game, but we get the targeting call. And then they conf- yeah, then they confirm it. And you see, like, they flash to us on TV. And <gasps> there's me and Kyle in the back. We're just like, what's going on? And you see Will doing the surrender Cobra right after we get it was, ejected. From my perspective, it was a very soft targeting call um no it was it was bad i mean it, I, okay i thought it was the right wait, wait is this the one where they didn't we didn't get ejected or this is the one where we got ejected? this is the one where middleton went kind of crown of the helmet into the face mask of their quarterback and okay he, and they called him i well, thought it was a legit i mean i don't like the targeting rule in general but by the rule i think that's probably targeting. you should have seen my reaction when uh they didn't get ejected for hitting uh Tyler Bird. Oh my God, dude! That's probably not or appropriate to put on TV. I've never been like so fuming at a game when I about that face mask call. Oh Oh my gosh, that face mask call! I got like sick to my stomach. I was like, "What the? Are you looking at? Yeah, I'm sorry. Like, what are you doing? And honestly, wait. No, this is in the first half. Yeah, this wasn't it. But I keep airdropping Jack pictures. Oh my God, that that we, one's that one's Jawan on NCAA twenty. <laughs> we were talking about this last night, though, in the World Series game when a horrible call was made. If anybody saw that, but it's just like those face mask calls. They're so blatant, or the target, the targeting one, the targeting calls that clearly aren't targeting or clearly are, and they get the wrong call made. We were just talking about how we look at it and we think what could the refs possibly be looking at where they're making that terrible of a call it's just like what are you doing yeah. what are you looking at oh there is a picture too i'm gonna try and find it um there was a picture too about like it was like the face mask getting held like right in front of the camera and in the bat in the blurred background you can see the referee just looking right at, at the it. face mask oh, call. Yeah. i'm like what are you oh man i'm gonna get heated here just talking about it. but i'm like what what are you not seeing yeah there 
And it's those games where we won by 20, so people overlook it. But if that's a close game or something and, like, I, it's coming down and you miss that call. Like, I don't care what the score is. Just protect the players, too. Yeah. His head, I don't. I forget who it was. There, his head was literally, like, cranked like an owl, dude. Yeah. It was bad. But anyway, oh. so. <clears throat> sorry, go ahead, Will. I was going to say, if it wasn't for Jawan bailing us out there, that it could have been a different game. Or, yeah, I, he played well. I mean, great pass by JG, too, but. Uh, <coughs> so oh, Mowers, 55-yard pass to Callaway. <sighs> that was filthy. Oh, you mean Shroud? I mean Shroud. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. 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 That, was, that was beautiful. Yeah. I, I, like, I knew he had a – I've been hearing that he has a cannon, but to, like, see that, he just – he put it on a dime. And that's the difference between uh, players like Mauer and Shroud versus – JG, if you if you remember, JG had an almost an identical play oh, early yeah. same earlier route. in the game. It was the same route. I think it was the first quarter, and he kind of just like threw it. He short short threw it, and Callaway just kind of had to go up and like fifty fifty it, and then he came down with the ball. But like you, Shroud led him like that was a handoff. He led him, and it, tur- it turned field. into a touchdown. Yeah, yeah, that's the difference. Like that, right there. that's the difference in a SEC caliber quarterback versus one who probably shouldn't have been here. I know I'm throwing shade, but it's true. <laughs> I am not a I am not a JG fan. I'm sorry. So something I'm sure you boys saw on Twitter was uh, Jeremy Pruitt stopping by Gus's good, good old Gus's good Gus's good times deli on campus. Um, I think he stopped by the night after or the night of the game. Uh, people are getting pictures of them, obviously. But I mean, huge win. He seemed happy. He's going down to where all the students hang out. What do you guys think about that? Did he say his pregnant wife wanted cheese yeah. fries? Yeah. That's what he said. I didn't know yeah. she was pregnant again. Damn. But I'm sure he wanted some fries too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he got him a little something. <laughs> no, but um, no, it was cool seeing the video of him uh, with all the fans coming to bump him. That one guy was. Yeah. What was up with that? He's a drunk idiot. Just like, you know, Jeremy Prude does not want to be having your arm around him and being touched and being whispered to like, give him a fist bump and move on. Like say, 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 say what good happened ga- say good, didn't say good game coach. Say what happened if people didn't see it. I don't know where. Sorry, wait. What did you say? Say what happened with the so arm around. People, oh yeah, yeah. Jeremy Pruitt was like chilling in the front of Gus's, waiting for his order, and multiple fans came up, fist bumped, to fist bump, say "Good game, coach." Like, uh, like what's up, coach? And then some random idiot just comes up and puts his arm around him and starts whispering to him and just made him look uncomfortable. Like that's the happiest I've seen Hold Pruitt. On. I gotta, I gotta expand, or else people at home aren't gonna be able to see. It's coming up on YouTube here. Hold on, let me replay it. Yeah, he goes and puts his arm around him and just like whispers what? right into his ear. So he's like, he's talking to him, gives people fist bumps. Like, that's cool. That's cool. Hey, good game, coach. And this guy, <laughs> let me just put my arm around you and like squeeze you and talk, like whisper. Look, look, to at, you. look at his face. His face says it all. He's like, who is this? Before guy? that, yeah. like, I've never seen Pruitt like, act, like look not with his typical face. I know. And I mean, the, the dude looks like he's happy, man. He's talking to everybody. He's like fist yeah. bumping. He's like, I love Knoxville. And then this guy, who's this guy? Hey, bro. Oh, oh my god! That's crazy. I even just get cringy just think, looking at that man. Uh, what I was gonna say though is, um, do you see what he did about well, that? He did that spot on Feinbaum. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Pruitt. Pruitt did a he did a little spot on on Feinbaum, and you know Feinbaum's a, a Tennessee grad as well. Yeah, and oh yeah, yeah and so Feinbaum was asking him about the about the encounter, and he was like, "I heard you went down to a, a little local spot to pick up some." 
pick up some food. And he's like, yeah, I was down at Gus's. And uh, Feinbaum was like, yeah, I've been in many of those uh, many of those nights at Gus's. Some I don't remember, but others, I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Paul Feinbaum's chilling in the same spots that I am. <laughs> I'm not a, a massive Fe- Feinbaum fan, but, like, I thought that, that was just that was a cool little run-in. That was cool, yeah. The, and the reason, I know this is getting off on a little tangent, but the reason I don't really like Feinbaum that much is that you'll see him when they start talking about, like, Alabama and Florida. He's like, oh, my God, these are the best teams to walk the face of the earth. They're going to kill the Vols. And then he comes back, the Vols do something good, and he's like, I'm a Tennessee grad. I love Tennessee. Yeah. And we're like, come on, man. Just pick a side. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. If you boys got anything else about the Vols, we can get on to the Titans. I'm now. good. Um, I'm just glad to see Pruitt finally embracing the volunteer lifestyle, man. I think that I think that uh, I think that week down in Bama really changed him, and I'm uh, I'm yeah. I'm, I think, I, I've always believed in him, but I'm just I, I love that I believe in him now. It seems like the entire coaching staff, Pruitt players, fan base, like can see the improvement. Yeah, it's been so long since we've actually like seen visual improvement. Yeah, and now it's all coming together. Obviously, we're not like anywhere close to where we want to be, but like. You can just see the improvement that's happening, so everybody's getting excited. Yeah, and the fact that we could end up, we could end up seven and five is insane compared to what we thought after the first three games. So he's finally getting the team together. Well, all right, let's uh, transition down to the Tennessee Titans, Tampa Bay coming home to Nashville, and the Titans pull out a dub, twenty-seven to twenty-three. Great game. It could have been. Uh, it didn't have to be this close, but. Uh, <laughs> Talk to me, boys. How did the game go? Um, honestly, it should have been. We should have blown them out a lot worse. Um, we had but two picks and two fumbles. Yep. Um, Jameis handed us the ball twice. Uh, f- really four times, and we really didn't capitalize as much as we could have. Um, our offense looks. It, it looks different, but it doesn't look. Like fluid, it's like run the ball twice, throw it up to a tight end, or throw it to a tight end twice. Don't get a first down, and then throw it downfield and miss, or something like that. And it's just like it does look kind of like two two weeks yeah. ago we were using our receivers with Tannehill, and receivers looked happy, and we looked like really fluid and nice. But this week we threw to one our starting tight end out, Delaney Walker's out. We threw it to Johnny a lot, and Johnny's impressed me. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, we're throwing it to three tight Michael Pruitt, uh, Ferkser, and Johnny. When we have plenty of receivers that are more than likely open, we could draw plays for them. It just felt this last game felt weird offensively. It was like a weird game plan. Maybe we saw they couldn't guard tight ends. Maybe we saw we could play action them since they have the best run defense and squeeze out a tight end, but. I want to see our receivers be used more. We could have we could have beat the, won that game by two or three touchdowns. Their run defense was great. Yeah, yeah, number one run defense in the league. I think it was great too. I mean, shoot, we couldn't even we couldn't get it five yards consistently if we wanted to. Having one of the biggest backs in the NFL on our team. Yeah, had, yeah, yeah. Derek had seventy five yards rushing, but he had one carry that was thirty four yards late in the game. So, like, yeah. if you subtract that, he had forty yards rushing. So, but on the contrary, um, Tannehill looked good for the second week in a row. And I mean, yeah, we were what six six for six in the red zone. Um, oh, in the last two weeks, we're at six for six in the red zone uh, for touchdowns. Uh, we are third in the red zone overall in the league, um, which is compared to twenty third last year. Um, 
And Derek, I believe, uh, has the second most rush yards against the Tampa Bay defense all year, and they're the number one rush defense. So, did I see something where um, where Derek is in like the top ten in rushing yards and for the whole franchise? Yes, he is. He just got yeah. this game. Also, Steve McNair is like number six. So <laughs> I don't. I don't think that list is like has has a lot of. Amazing running backs on it. Yeah, well, Steve McNair is like, he's like a freaking Michael Vick, too. Where's, C- oh, no, where's yeah, CJ like, on that list? I don't First, know. CJ probably. 2K and then Eddie George? It might have been Eddie and then CJ. Eddie, yeah, yeah, they're up to, there. I'd have to look it up. But also, like you said, uh, Tannehill's passer rating, uh, 109.8 in the game. Uh, that's great. Um, in his career, he's had 24 games over 100 passer ratings, and he's 20 for four. In those games, so we've seen two hundred plus passer rating games out of him so far. Uh, I hope to make it three for three and uh, just keep rolling. Shoot, man! Eddie George, Earl Campbell, C.J. Lorenzo White, Hoyle Granger, Steve McNair, Mike Rozier, Charlie Tolar, and Derrick Henry. There you go. That's top nine. And then Ronnie. But, Ronnie. But does it have the yards time. next to him? Yeah, of course. Um, so Eddie George has ten ten thousand. And then Earl Campbell has 8,500, and then Derek's all the way down here at 2,800. So he's still got a while before yeah, he catches he's, anybody. He's got some time to but go. But he also, Derek is also the third highest average yards per carry, too. So, I mean, if he keeps on this pace and keeps on going, he, he could be up there by the end of it. Dude, this Titans game, I think I told somebody, one of y'all, after the game, we won, but it felt like we lost. Yeah. It was like... I mean, we were all watching it together, and you said that, and I was like, yeah. That's I was awesome. just sitting there like, okay, cool, we won, but I just don't feel that... Like, I don't feel like we played very well, and what was up... I mean, going with the fake field goal, like, we're up 27-23, we're up by four, <laughs> our kicker's two for two on the Jesus. day, it's a 46-yard field goal. He already made one from 51, I believe. What was it, like fourth and seven, too? No, it was like fourth and three. Um, but it was a 46-yarder, he's already made from 50-something... And then he wants to run Brett Kern on a boot fake field goal who gets decked and fumbles the ball, and they pick it up and return it for a touchdown. But luckily it was called dead. And like, our, probably our best player at his respective position, like you're going to put him, you're going to sacrifice him to the Wolves for a first down instead of three points. This is just the third week, the third week this year that Vrabel has made decisions that have either won or we've gotten bailed, or lost, or we've gotten bailed out of. Three weeks that his decision could have lost. Could have game. lost us yeah. the game, and we we got bailed out of. And it was just ah, oh, it's just what are you doing, man? And we we even commented on this when Vrabel got hired is that we were just like he looks at the game like he doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, like I I don't know if this is just being like a young coach or if this is just being like having like a player's mindset on a coach's. Like I think team. that's the thing, player's mindset, yeah. And I mean, yeah. like, Vrabel, you got balls, dude, but sometimes you got to know when to tuck them away and make the conservative decision. Yeah. Also, most of the bad calls have been on the offensive side of the ball, right? I mean, oh, it's, they've all, they've all been, been on the offensive side special teams. And maybe it has to do with him being a defensive guy and a defensive player and maybe just, like, the dude's caught touchdown passes from Tom Brady. I think he's like I. I, I just don't know how. I, I don't know how some of those calls he does that, but I just don't understand that either, dude. Um, I just also sorry to interrupt. You're good. But so we're up by four at that point with have what four minutes left? I think something like that. And you have a chance to go up by seven, which would make it a one possession game. And then we fake it. Stupid, stupid call. But we don't get it. And then. 
after the game, they ask him about the call. And if you come out and say, like, yeah, that was dumb. I don't know why I called that. Not I don't know why I called it, but, like, yeah, that probably wasn't the best decision. We should have gone up by seven. I'd be like, all right, man, cool. You made a mistake. But he comes out in his post-game press conference and says, I was trying to put us in the best position to win the game. Like, I wanted to win the game right there. And I was like, if you wanted to win the game, go up by seven points. So even if they come back down and score, it's tied. I don't understand how make, doing a fake field goal like it gives you a better end. percentage chance of winning the game. It just doesn't. If you really wanted to win, you would have kicked the field goal. So don't tell me, I just wanted to win the game by do, making that dumbass call. And Will, were you, were you saying this two seconds ago where you were like, um, he, our, our field goal kicker misses three and then he decides to kick a long fourth? Oh, yeah. And then this game, he's made three. He's two for two. He, or he's two for two, and then you decide not to kick it with him. Yeah, it's just like, it's, it's like, it's like he's overthinking common sense. Bro, dude, just. <laughs> we need one of those situational coaches where if Rabel's about to make a dumb call, the situational coach is like, like, a consultant. No, a consultant. Just kick it. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prevent you from making a dumb call. <laughs> as just as you're just like, kick it. Yeah, yeah. Hell, it, just have J Rob be able to like override. Rabel's headset and be like, no, kick the ball. Yeah, like, come on, man. Like, maybe J-Rob is, has enough common sense to just override. I know he has nothing to do with football coaching, but some would, someone needs to step in. Make a quick Twitter poll to the Titans fan base asking if, <laughs> if we want to fake it or kick it. Um, it's, just, it's just, like, not – it's kind of like the Vols, except the Vols have put it together finally. But, like, the Titans, they're getting closer, just need to put it together. And, yeah. honestly, Vrabel's that last piece, Yeah, in my opinion. <coughs> We've got a run game now. Our offensive line is somewhat healthy. We've got a decent quarterback. Like, come on, let's let's go. Our wide receivers are good, too. Yeah, like Will was talking about, I was going to say something. Yeah, the wide receivers, we need to use them more. John U, love him to death, but he was our leading receiver. Six receptions for 78 yards and a touchdown. Anthony Ferkser was our second leading receiver, another tight end. Hey, I was telling this to Will real quick. Um, I said, I wonder if Tannehill is so comfortable throwing to Janu because Tannehill just and Janu have been taking second team reps together for like a year now. Maybe, yeah. Because yeah, if you watch the game, it's obvious he loves throwing it to Janu, and that's that's fine. Hey, but, but Janu's hands are, are are better this year than they were last year. Yeah, he I had think one. We can all agree on that. He had yeah. one drop last game, and his his yak is actually. Oh, really good this year too. His yak, <laughs> yards after catch. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. It's actually really good. Um, talking about the the NFL trade deadline, should Marcus have been moved? Honestly, in my opinion, no. And I, that, that's probably a little bit difficult to hear because I haven't been really necessarily been on the Marcus train all that big, all that much. But he's a solid backup now. Well, I agree and. I mean, I was thinking about it for a right guard, um, but realistically, if you're going to trade for a quarterback and trade away a right guard, talk about the other team we'd possibly trade with, that'd be dumb. Like, you're trading away his protection to for an injury-prone quarterback. But, no, I think we should keep him. Him and Tannehill are very injury-prone. Uh, we can need Marcus at any time, and I believe hopefully he's learned from being benched uh, a little. What do you think is the biggest piece we could have gotten for Marcus if we did trade him? Trent Williams, actually no, because you, you just you really wanted Trent Williams this because because they have Dwayne Haskins. We'd we'd have to we would have to trade like Conklin and a third to get Trent Williams. And put it was Trent Williams for the left tackle listeners. for the Redskins. He was holding out all season, 
He's a Pro Bowl left tackle. If we could have put him at right tackle, giving them Conklin and a third rounder. Dude, I'll give him Conklin too. Yeah. Because he was holding out. It's not like he's helping him anyway, but he's back now. Uh, he didn't pass his physical though. So Because his helmet wasn't comfortable or something like that. It was something stupid. Well, next game against Carolina, uh, I think we got to be worried about Christian McCaffrey, obviously. But um, Panthers aren't really as dynamic without Cam, without a good Cam, too. So as long as we just hold down, hold down the fort. They're kind of... But their new offense at Kyle Allen, they're yeah. kind of like gunslinging, and they, it's like kind of like a Saints offense. It's like we're chucking the ball, or we're get so finding a way to get in the McCaffrey's hands. Is Adoree going to be back for that game? He, he practiced. I don't today. think they know. He practiced today, though. Yeah. So if 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 Adoree's back and he doesn't make any head ass moves, I think we have the the secondary to to protect that. But our our defense is not the problem with with the Titans. It's obviously our offense. That's what I was going to say. It's so. Like for me, every week I go in thinking my worries are not the defense, our defense stopping the other team's offense. I don't care when we play the Chiefs. Like, that's not my worry. My worry is our offense putting up enough points. I know it's the Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers, but they did, their defense let up 51 points last week. And we have better receivers than the 49ers. We have a better running back than the 49ers. Um, maybe not offensive line play is better than 49ers. And our, we don't have like a dominant defensive end like Bosa, but I think I, I think we win. Um, definitely, their their air attack is if we can just. I think if we can stop stop Christian McCaffrey like convincingly and convi- like make them throw the ball against our secondary, we win the game. I agree. Like, I agree. I don't care if we have to load the box and have two guys shadowing McCaffrey. If if we make them put the ball in the air, Kyle Allen's a good quarterback. Don't get me wrong, but we'll get turnovers. And but obviously, yeah, our offense has to show up. That's just defensively what we have to do. Well, let's talk about the uh, the Predators real quick. Um, Preds are doing freaking incredible right now. Uh, we had a really good week this week. Pekka had a had a shutout. Uh, one against the Lightning, three to two in overtime, and one against Chicago last night or two nights ago. Last yeah, night. it was last night. Uh, three to nothing with Nick Bonino having a hat trick and UC Sar. I'm not UC Saros. God dang it. Roman Yossi playing uh, a little bit looser tonight, knowing that he's got another guaranteed eight years in Smashville. Uh, 72, his autograph cost the Preds $72.47 million. That's $9.059 million over eight years. Little fun fact, because the, the contract is $9.059 million because Roman Yossi wears number 59. As you can see, I'm wearing my uh, Roman Yossi jersey. I was telling Griffin, I was making a little fun of him because every jersey that Griffin gets, the player always leaves like two years into him Seriously. getting this jersey. And I was like, oh, man, my jersey insurance just went up a little bit. Got him locked down for eight more years, Dude. plus a no trade. Yeah, plus a no trade clause, which is the first time in the Preds history they've ever done that. Poyle has never done that. Uh, and with Pekka, they just signed him to a long-term deal, and then they've been doing like year over year. But Pekka knows he's gonna stay. Yeah. So, um, but first time in the Preds history, um, Pekka saying that Roman is one of the is the crucial element to this Predators team, and I'd agree, man. I was a little bit skeptical when he got 
um, made the captain because you know he's not obviously not as outspoken as Fish or or Shea was, but dude, he's he's turned out to be fantastic. His stats are consistent. His points over the last four years are uh, 61, 49, 53, and 56. The dude's putting up consistent points for a D man. For a D man, assists uh, 47, 37, 39, 41, and his goals 14, 12, 14, and 15. But the cool part about this stat is that this year, with only 12 games in, he's already had five goals. Yeah, he, he ended last year hot, and he started this year hot scoring. That's what I'm saying, and he's already cut his hit the gold number from last year in in a third, and it's not even not even a quarter of the way through the season yet. I'm really excited to see what Roman can do on offense, especially since now we don't have to share the puck with PK. Yeah. <laughs> I've been talking a lot, boys. Let me know your thoughts. I love... Love the signing. Obviously, I think every Preds fan loves the signing. Um, it was cool that they had the, if you guys saw on their social media, they had Roman going out to sign his contract. All the employees and a yeah, bunch of players and fans. That's so like, cool, man. Making a tunnel. A, yeah, made a tunnel, like a high five line that he that he walked through. No, but yeah, the Preds are playing well now. I believe that's uh, five straight wins for the Preds. Sorry, four straight wins for the Preds. Um, obviously beating the rival Blackhawks, big win, Nick Benino with the hat trick, but the Tampa Bay lightning game was pretty huge. We were down two to one going into the third and your boy, Roman Yossi, Jack slapped in the tying one. And then Ellis put in the overtime winner, Yossi assisting on it. So yes, yeah, the, boy, <laughs> the boys are playing well right now. I'm excited to see what we're doing. Um, and that lightning game was with UC in the net, wasn't it? Yeah, it was his first Thank one of the year. God, dude. About time. Thank UC God UC's been getting UC a got his head out of his ass. He's hopefully back to the last season form. Um, yeah, just to piggyback off Griff, uh, those past four wins, I think all have been without Philip Forsberg too. Probably our best score. Um, so that's big. Um, it's also been big that not just our top line has been scoring. Like last year, I felt like a lot of the time, if it wasn't our top line, we weren't winning. This year, everybody's scoring. Everybody's contributing. It feels fun. It feels better. We feel loose. We don't feel like we're playing with our backs against the wall. Cool uh, cool little franchise fact is that today, for an hour, an hour span, they were offering um, uh, tickets in the lower bowl for $59 for uh, Roman's number and you can get two upper bowl tickets for $59 and I was like dang it if I didn't have anything to do tomorrow <laughs> yeah, I'd be driving sweet. back to Nashville with my Roman Yossi jersey on to go see the Preds play. honestly because I haven't been to a game yet this season I haven't been to a game yet this season I haven't I haven't seen the Jumbotron yet same yeah. and like the Predators are probably like they're definitely my favorite team um, the Predators and the Red Sox are easily my favorite teams and I need to go on itch and to go see a game. You said that game's bad. tomorrow night, the $59? It's, yeah, it's tomorrow. Well, they offered the tickets for a, a, yeah, a, an I, hour I saw spend, it on their Instagram. But the game tomorrow versus Calgary was, yeah. That's probably but, just to get people in there on Halloween, obviously, and using <laughs> using Rome. Dude, I don't probably. know, dude. We've sold out 200-some-odd straight sellouts. Like, No, I mean, I'm not worried we won't sell it out. I'm just saying, like... I feel like Halloween might be difficult to get people there. If you ask me my ideal Halloween, honestly, I'd, I'd love to sit in Bridgestone uh, and watch oh a gosh, hockey game. Yeah, dude, I, me too. I, I'd Nothing spend, says fall spend like it that. The, spend it there, then Broadway? Yeah, that'd be a great time. <laughs> yeah. I, saw, I could do without Broadway. I would just go sit in there on the <laughs> ice, dude. Um, no, but I, I saw you said a Pekka quote earlier, Jack. Uh, Pekka's been having the quotes the past few days. Cause, he has been. Like Jack said, 
uh, the other day said Roman Yossi signing the contract was like the biggest contract signing in the history of the Preds. Yeah. Um, and then after last night's game, the three nothing shutout against Chicago, that was back to back shutouts for Pekka. Fourth time it's happened in his career. He said that's the easiest game he's ever had to play for Ooh, the National dude, Predators. That's kind of savage. <laughs> too. I know. Imagine against, hearing that as a as a Blackhawk against the like, Blackhawks because we had I think fifty one shots yeah. and they had like seventeen. 19. 19. Sorry. Yeah, there you go. So only 19 shots. Pekka pitched the shutout. He said, easiest game of his career. I love it. Dude, that's just, oh, that's kind of savage, man. I love that because um, honestly, it's kind of hard seeing a Preds player. It, it, it's it's not normal to see a Preds player be that out, outspoken. If you think about like the persona of our team is very like cool, calm, and collected. Nobody really says anything to get anybody riled up. Nothing really happens in the news aside from Austin Watson, and like you really, that's that's just not the mo of our team. So to kind of, to see Pekka just kind of like release a little bit of personality there it was nice. Yeah, I loved it. Um, yeah, well, you, we're looking ahead, at Jack. the um, we're looking right now. We have uh, ESPN two on, and they're talking about NF, NFL, and they're talking about the, how the Patriots might go sixteen and zero, and the and the Niners. The rest of their games are favored to win. They're, they're definitely they're favored to win, but their last three games of the year, they're over ninety percent to win. So we'll see. If they got sixteen and zero, props to them. We'll we'll take them out in the playoffs. So anyway, yeah, back, yeah. <laughs> back back to the Preds. <laughs> yeah. What else you guys? You got anything else on the Preds? Will I just? I mean, like last night was like an. A perfect Preds game for me. Like offense is playing at its one of its highest. Uh, defense is playing perfect. Uh, Peck is playing perfect. It's like everything was rolling. Uh, power play looked great. I don't know if we. I don't think we got a power play goal, but it looked great. Um, and that's all without Phil. We get Phil back in there. We get Duchesne fully healthy. It's gonna be fun. Let me run this one by you guys. I think if we can play this consistent throughout the entire in the entire entire season, I think that's due to PK being gone. Honestly, if you think about that 17 team that went all the way, nobody, everybody shared the spotlight. And I know PK was on that team too, but like everybody shared the spotlight. People were putting in goals left and right. Didn't really matter who it was. I mean, Sisson's got a hat trick in the conference final. Like, Guys, guys, just step up every every single time that it's needed, and I think PK being gone released that kind of persona from our team, and and everybody's just kind of playing right now. I mean, Turris is getting goals, Grenlin's playing all right, even though I've I was not a fan of that trade. Obviously, miss you, Kev. But uh, every like Grenlin's playing well, Turris is playing well. Obviously, Peck is shutting him down. Uh, only thing we're missing is Berg, and that's pretty much it. So, I I'm I'm happy with the team right now. Same. Yeah, and your boys just started a fantasy hockey league. This is our first uh, time ever playing in it. Uh, so yeah, if any of you we'll listeners have any goes. fantasy hockey tips, this is our first time, so let us know. Uh, yeah, heck yeah. Heck yeah. Well, um, before we get off, there's a big game tonight, probably the biggest game um, of the fall. The World Series Game 7 is tonight. Mad Max versus, um, oh, shoot, who's playing? Zach Grinke. Yeah, versus Zach Grinke. Max has an ERA of just under three in his last um, six clinch clinching games. The dude's an absolute animal. The Nats played incredibly well last night. Um, well, we were all watching that game. I'm going to talk us through the the first base controversy. I just hope that today or that this game tonight is going to be a special one, and I think it will be. 
So um, going back to last game, game six, playing in Houston, this is the first time, and I think it's like 1,400 playoff games across the um, NFL, NH, no, in the NBA, MLB, and NHL, where the road team has won the first six games of the series. If you think about that, that's wild. Yeah, that is pretty that's crazy. That's a crazy stat. So uh, obviously the series started out in Houston. Nats took the first two games, and then they go back to, um, back to D.C., Astros take the next three games and then they go back to Houston and the Nats win game six. So now we're playing a game seven winner take all. If history repeats itself, the Nats are going to win the world series. That's a great move for, for baseball in general. This is going to be, um, if they win tonight, that will make the Seattle Mariners, the only team to never win a world series. Wow. That's pretty, I didn't know that. I believe, I believe that is true. Do you have a pick for tonight? Who do you think's winning it? Will? Uh, I just don't know if... I just don't know if the Nats can... Sorry, reach a World Series, by the way, not win it. Okay. Uh, okay. The Nat, I feel like the Nats really lived and died by home runs, at least last night. Um, uh, Houston bats were horrible last night. Uh, obviously, I'm not... I'm <laughs> Strasburg threw a gem, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he did, what, nine and a third? Mm-hmm. Or eight, yeah. eight and a third. Yeah, eight and a third. Um, I'm not a baseball expert. I'm going to go out on a limb and say the experience gets it done. Houston finishes and wins. I think the majority of people would say that you're going to be right, Griffin. I'm saying I feel like this entire series, everyone's been saying the Nationals don't have the bats to compete with the Astros. But here we are in a game seven, and I'm excited because no matter who the better team is, game seven, it's one game, anything can happen. Max Scherzer is an absolute animal, and he's on the mound for the Nationals. Zach Grinke, he's, I mean, he's no Garrett Cole or Justin Verlander, so they don't have their ace pitching. I think the Nationals get it done, boys. I think the road team victory keeps going through the seventh game. I don't see, I mean, I just see Max Scherzer pitching really well tonight. He's going to be locked in. And for all you listeners, this will be coming out tomorrow, so if we're wrong, we're recording this before the game. You're, you're so, going to be able to hear it. Yeah, yeah. you've already known who who wins, so we'll see who's right. But, yeah, I got the Nationals in a big upset. And I don't know what, what stat I was looking at on Twitter when I when I said that. Um, the Padres, the Rockies, Texans, Rays, and Brewers have never been to a I, World I Series. Say, yeah, a it was a lot. <laughs> but in, in my defense, <laughs> the Brewers have been playing well for the past, like, two years, so I, I guess I just ruled them out. The Rangers, they've been good in the past uh rays went to the postseason this year rockies have been all right and the Padres just suck so um but my pick for tonight's game is gonna be the nats i think that mad max you can't you can't go wrong with him on the mound if he can go more than if he can go more than six innings without giving up a lot i think the i think the nationals take this home this is going to be a game baseball being the sport that i've played the most this is going to be a game where the team that has nothing to lose is going to be winning this game. Uh, the Astros won it back in 2017. They've been good for the past five years, five or so years. They've just been consistently good. But I think that the Nationals are finally going to be feeding off this energy. They know that they've been winning a lot in Houston. I think the Nationals get it done, especially with Mad Max on the mound. And Grinky is a little bit, uh, he's a little bit spotty. That's what I was saying. I don't think he's going to, I mean... Game seven. I'm surprised they're not pitching he's one of their teams. Damn pieces. good. But I know, he's but been, he's been. I mean, you can't pitch Garrett Cole. He's he's not he's not. And Verlander just yet. pitched. And Verlander yeah. pitched last night, and he did terribly. So Verlander's becoming the new Kershaw. 
Yeah. Good in the regular season, not clutch in the playoffs. I'm a big Verlander fan, but, dude, I just can't. (laughs) I can't believe he hasn't been good in the playoffs. That's crazy to me. I mean, he was in that 2017. He was dominant in that 2017 year when they won the World Series. Um, But they picked him up right at the trade deadline, and he won that World Series for him. Or he won two World Series games when he was pitching. But anyway, that's our that's our takes on the uh, on the World Series game tonight, boys. Before we wrap it up, do you have any last thoughts? Our resident Astros fan Chase wanted a shout out, so shout out to Chase. We'll see if the Astros get it done. By the time you hear it, maybe the Nats You'll have won. Know. Maybe yeah. you've won. We'll see. But shout out to Chase. Chase, if you win this one, dude, uh, kudos. Astros had a fantastic season. Um, coming from a Red Sox fan, it's nice to see some AL teams getting it done. Um. I got a go tits. I hope the uh, Colts lose. I hope if Houston wins, they win by three. So I win money. <laughs> it's just now occurred to me, boys, that we've gone this entire podcast without plugging our social medias. That's wow. terrible. I don't usually I like find a way to fit it in, but yeah. I guess I was just so excited to talk ever since all of our teams have been. It, it was the recently. car wreck. We started. We just dove into the uh, car wreck. Yeah, it was the car wreck. Stupid we did dive car into wreck. Well, hey, you can find us on Instagram. Uh, search Training Camp Podcast. That's our Instagram. You can find me. Um, almost everywhere at the underscore J Beard. Will let them know where they can find you. Yeah, at It's Will's World with two D's on all platforms. Griff, where they can find you? At where can G- they find you? G Bump Seventeen on Instagram. Will, I see you with the big dog right there. Who are you shouting out? Yes, sir. Natty, Natty, uh, Natty Ice. Well, I almost said Natty Light. We that would have been we embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Natty Ice, sponsor me. I drink you. I get all my friends to drink you. I love you. Griff, what you, uh, what you shouting out here, buddy? I'll shout out the Pink Whitney's. We're still loving on them. Um, Spitting Chicklets podcast. Dude, Thank we you. tweeted that picture at them. We didn't get any love back. I know. We didn't get, they usually respond to people that tweet at them, but we didn't get any love. Let's give them one more this week. So Maybe next can, time. They can, yeah. They can shout us out. I mean, this this sweet nectar right here, man. I mean, got to love it. It's really good. I got I to gotta give it to the boys over there at Barstool. They did a fantastic job. Uh, makes me hopeful for like other like liquor collabs in the future because i mean this is this is damn good the training camp uh new what would we make what would we make if training camp had to do that (laughs) what would maybe like a a specialty gin that's like mixed with like a but you you can't really put like a flavor twist on gin it's all like floral you know yeah what about um, like a? I mean i guess it would have to be like a vodka would it be like a like a like a like a red, <laughs> oh, like a training camp red, <laughs> like a like a Skittles or like a cherry, like a jelly bean. <laughs> no, fuck jelly God beans. Damn it! How about we think about it? And we'll come well, back. Hey, we'll next think week. about it. We'll come yeah. back next yeah. week. Yeah, we'll yeah. Uh, boys, you can find me on Instagram just again at v underscore jbeard. I'm gonna start posting a little bit more um, on Instagram. Uh, I'm gonna put it on a mailbag on my personal one, but you can always find the mailbag at uh, training camp podcast on Instagram. So go ahead and look us up there, guys. Uh, it's been a fun one. This was a great podcast. Thanks, boys, for joining me. Yes, joining me. And uh, other than that, guys, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Shout see out you YouTube. Up. You can watch us on YouTube. Just search Training Camp Podcast. We've been getting some pretty decent uh, decent viewership over there on YouTube. So I'm psyched to see it. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Oh, dude, I've got a... Very happy Halloween. Very happy Halloween, man. Oh, I've got a, I've got a little spooky sound, too, to, to play us out of here. Uh, here we go. Yeah. Happy Halloween. We'll see you next week. Nice one. Been a pleasure. (laughs) Peace, guys.